Hello again, Broncos country, and thank you again for joining us on this episode of the Orange Weekly Podcast. The Orange Weekly Podcast is sponsored by Rep the Squad. Rep the Squad is a jersey subscription club that lets you rep any jersey you may want. It's like Netflix for jerseys. With hundreds of jerseys, Rep the Squad lets you switch between your favorite stars and styles whenever you like. Adult memberships are $19.95 per month and youth are $16.95. New jerseys arrive fresh, clean, and within two to three business days. Rep your Denver Broncos all season long. With free shipping both ways, you can cancel any time. Make sure you use promo code ORANGE50, that's ORANGE50, to get 50% off your first month at RepTheSquad.com. Remember, that's promo code ORANGE50, ORANGE50, at RepTheSquad.com. Please, if you like what you hear, if you're enjoying what we are talking about today and every week, please subscribe and write our podcast on iTunes or Google Play or whatever you're listening to right now. Here at Orange Weekly, we are all about football and football only. We do not discuss politics. We are just football fans. So you'll not hear us talking about what sliding into the DMs even means. Only this week's matchup. Inside the minds of the players and coaches and an in-depth look into what you should be expecting this coming week. All right, Broncos fans, we're midway through the season and your Denver Broncos have lost four in a row, putting us in last place of the AFC West. But all is not lost. We can come back in the second half of the season and still have a chance to make the playoffs. Your Denver Broncos start the second half of the season back at home for the first time in a month against the defending Super Bowl champion, New England Patriots. The Patriots are 6-2, looking to stay on top of the AFC with a win in Denver, while your Broncos are looking for a spark of life in the second half of the season. All right, Broncos country, let's do this. As always, we're bringing it in with the Mad Fanatic. All right. Thanks, everybody, again for listening. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Matt. Matt, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? Not bad. Not bad. We are halfway through the season, so half of our podcasts for the season are over. We still only have eight podcasts left, uh, unless we make the playoffs, obviously. We're going to go ahead and roll this on. Let's go ahead and talk about the very disappointing game from last week that I know here in the California area, we got our broadcast cut off to go to another game it was that embarrassing so what do you think about the game overall just to just to start with well sort of looked like a high school game you know one team just sort of found momentum took off early and they just kept rolling up the score um you know it's it's rare to see a 51 point game in the nfl uh, i say that but the rams scored 51 points in the same week um so right. it's been happening more and more i think it's just the way the league is going but nevertheless the broncos were supposed to be number one defense and uh, even though the Eagles had a really strong team, you never expect to see 51 points. So I'm a bit blown away by the result. Yeah, I mean, it started with the penalties, and it just kind of got worse from yeah. there and uh, just kind of snowball effect. So we'll go straight into our first segment in I Told You So. I Told You So. All right, so if you're joining us for the first time, I Told You So is where we talk about what we talked about on the last podcast and what actually happened in the game, and we called it. So I'll go ahead and start with you, Matt. What did you tell us? Well, I talked all about Jim Schwartz and his defensive line rotation and how dominant this defensive line was. Um, Statistically, the Eagles as a whole 
had 43 tackles, if the numbers are all correct on the slide I looked at. And uh, the D-line had 18 of those tackles, which is about half. They had two sacks, and they were all over Osweiler, especially late in the game. They were pressuring him. They were hitting him. They were getting in his face, forcing quick throws and all that. So what I told you so is just the Eagles' defensive line dominance. Right, yeah, and it definitely did. I mean, and you, you were talking about how they rolled – five or six different guys just on the D line and, yeah, and each one of them had a big dominant uh, factor in that game. So oh, yeah. uh, my, I told you so is Brock Osweiler and the offensive play calls with Trevor Simeon. We had gotten away from the rollout play action because he's not a strong play action rollout quarterback. He just doesn't throw well on the run. He fades away from the line too much, but with Brock Osweiler, we get more of that brought into it. And especially for the first couple quarters you saw us do a lot more of the play action where he was rolling out giving him more time on the outside and also opening up his field of vision so that's what I told you so and I would definitely expect more of that this coming week but more on that later we're going to go ahead and go into our next segment in who would have guessed who would have guessed who would have guessed is pretty much something that we could did not see coming so Matt what did you not see coming in that Philadelphia game well, I didn't see that uh, Jai would get so much playing time, let alone like you know dominance in the game. Since he was just brought in this week, I thought that you know a lot of these things, you know, these players that come in uh, so late in the season, they need a week to sort of acclimate to the playbook and the culture and all that. But they got Jai really uh, involved right away, and it showed. He got eight carries, seventy-seven yards, and a touchdown. He averaged nine point six yards a carry, which you know, just put an asterisk on that. He had that really long touchdown run, um, which you know sways the, the the stats but nevertheless for a guy who just you know walked in the building this week he dominated that well uh, the Eagles should be very excited about this player he's going to be uh, you know he could be their Super Bowl contender right there the difference maker yeah absolutely and that's what a lot of people are talking about everyone was talking about how great this Eagles team and they just needed a good run game and they, they got, got it. it they went oh, out yeah. and got it yeah they did so so what I didn't see coming was the defense kind of falling apart. And it wasn't just at the very beginning. The first couple quarters, I, I was talking about how our discipline and our penalties were really what killed us. You know, they got two touchdowns and all of them could have been stopped three, four, five different times. But we end up getting a penalty on a third down that we would have stopped them on. So outside of that, going into this game, the Denver Broncos had the number two run defense in the league. And we had allowed zero rushing touchdowns. The running backs... Of the Philadelphia Eagles had three touchdowns. We obviously talked about the one for JHI, and then Clement had two touchdowns on the ground and one in the air and really kind of destroyed us overall with Carson Wentz. So I definitely did not see our run defense letting up three touchdowns this game. All right. And I know I say this every week, but the past is the past. We can learn from it, but let's move on. We have the New England Patriots coming up this week, and we have a lot to talk about for them. Let's go ahead and start with our favorite segment of our show in brain games brain games brain games where we give you a little bit of idea of what's going on inside the heads of the coaches on each side and with the new england patriots everybody knows probably the greatest coach of all time in the in the history of the nfl in bill belichick he has the most wins he has the most super bowl wins he's an amazing an amazing coach and now we get to go up against him midway through the season what can you tell us more about him matt 
Yeah, I mean, you, you, you said quite a bit there. He's had 42 seasons experience as an NFL coach from, you know, coordinator to head coach. Um, his experience as a coordinator has been, you know, remarkable. He coached uh, Lawrence Taylor in, in New York, and they won a couple Super Bowls there. Then as a coach for the Patriots, I mean, everybody knows his his talent and his success. Five Super Bowls for one head coach is the NFL record. There's only been three other franchises, the Steelers, the Cowboys, and the Niners, that have at least five Super Bowls, and they all happened back in, you know, the, the 90s and the 60s. Like, this happened a long time ago, and the Patriots, they win five Super Bowls in around 10 years. Uh, no, 15 years, sorry, which is, you know, remarkable. It's amazing to see this, and it really stems from Bill Belichick. He is, in my opinion, the greatest team builder in NFL history. I don't know about other sports. Uh, you know, I can't say that. But in terms of the NFL and football, this guy has put together unbelievable teams. And he's done it again this year with, you know, a lot of players that might not make another roster or a lot of players that might be misused on another team. Bill has an incredible knack of knowing where to put players and how to make them successful. And it's, uh, it's remarkable. I mean, I, I could go on and on about this guy. I, you know, I, we, we were, we were talking before it's, we both love Bill Belichick, although we hate his teams. Um, me being a, a diehard Falcons fan. I mean, I have every reason to hate him and his team, but I, I, I can't, I can't do anything but just respect this man and, and his game and the way he approaches football. I learned so much just by watching him. I'm reading his uh, his dad's book on football scouting as well. Very interesting. Yeah, he, he's just he's an amazing coach. He's put together great coaching staffs over the years, um, and he's he's just a winner. That's that's really what he is. You know, he's he's really scary to play against. That's that's just what it comes down to. Yeah, you don't have to like the guy, but you have to respect his talent and his his ability to just put together good teams year yeah. after year after year, and that's really what it comes down to. And like you said, he's done it again this year, so it's going to be a rough game coming up for us. So let's go ahead and move into that too. Josh McDaniels is listed as the OC, and as Denver fans, for those of us that have been around long enough to remember the 2009 season where Josh McDaniels was our head coach, we have a little bit of an idea of what he can do to a team for us, he didn't do so well, but under the Bill Belichick system, he does really well. Josh McDaniels, is he's the play caller. He's the designer of the playbook. Um, I mean, he, he's coaching Tom Brady. Uh, I think Tom Brady has, you know, at least half of the influence on the playbook. You know, I'm sure these guys were 50-50. Oh, but Josh McDaniels is the play caller, and he has been for, uh, you know, this is his ninth season as the Pats OC, um, including the time before, as you said, he went to the Broncos. This is his ninth, ninth stint as the OC, and it, yeah, he's he's had a lot of success as the play caller there. Yeah, and obviously he's won multiple Super Bowls as the OC, yep. and he definitely can't be counted out because they always have a very dynamic offense. So, uh, on the other side, so we're, we're talking about the Broncos here, the Broncos game coming up. We have Vance Joseph in a first-year head coach, also a defensive-minded guy, not nearly on the same anywhere near the same conversation as a Bill Belichick-type coach yet, but he's still young. He's still got his in his first year, and something I want to mention is that a lot of people have been very critical of because of the four-game losing streak of the Vance Joseph movement, and I think what it really comes down to for me is the discipline on this team. Because of all the penalties that are happening, that definitely stems from some sort of coaching atmosphere. Vance Joseph needs to get his team together, needs to get our team together, and we need to have that discipline, and it's, it stems from the coaching. There has to be, people need to be held accountable for the the penalties that are creating that are really losing us the game, and I think that if it wasn't for the penalties, not only is that a closer game, we probably could have won that game, but the penalties is what 
gave them momentum and it rolled in. So it starts at the top. And I think this is going to be a big game for coach Joseph and being a first year guy and seeing how he takes this adversity and rolls with it. And that's what I'm really excited to see from him. But on the defensive side, so we talked about Josh McDaniels and how good of a coach he can be. Joe Woods is going to be need to be a lot less predictable. So that's another thing that there was an issue with. And they had even said it in the post-press conference. I think it was Chris Harris had mentioned something along the lines of they knew every play that we ran and they ran the perfect offensive play against it. So we need to be a lot less predictable in our play calling on that defense and not be outcoached. We got outcoached by Eagles and, and Peterson. And he's, a, don't get me wrong, Peterson's a very good coach, but Bilicek and Josh McDaniels have been doing this for a long time, and they're very good at outcoaching the other team. So Joe Woods is also going to be kind of on a hot seat this week, figuring out how to stop a very explo- another very explosive offense coming into Denver with our defense. So one more thing on Josh McDaniels is, you know, a lot of teams have a certain philosophy they bring to their offense, you know, whether it's a run heavy, whether it's an exotic smash mouth like uh, they run in Tennessee, whether it's a West Coast offense like they run in Kansas City. A, you know, a big play offense that they run in uh, in Atlanta, things like that. It's Everybody's got a different system. Now, Josh McDaniels, what he's been really, really good at is, you know, I don't really know the name of the system he has, but, you know, it's sort of like how to beat him playbook. You know, they, they're so varied in what they can do on offense. They've got four very solid running backs, all have different styles of running, um, so they all can use them differently, and they, they've got so, solid offensive linemen who are better pass protectors than run blockers. Um, but nevertheless, they're, they're really able to beat any sort of defense you know they're they're equipped for any uh, any sort of defense that they're going to face and and you're absolutely right joe woods needs to be a lot less predictable because they're going to expose their their habits they're going to find the holes in that defense like brady has done time and time and time again and and they're going to make the most of it so you know you're absolutely correct like joe woods really needs to step up this week this is a make or break week i think for this defense I 100% agree with you, and hopefully it pulls out for our advantage on that one, but we'll see, and it's going to be a chess match as always. Mm -hmm. So moving on to the other side, let's talk a little bit about the beard himself, Mr. (laughs) Matt Patricia. The beard, yeah. He's... um... He's a great defensive coordinator. This year is statistically not going so well. Uh, the Pats are ranked, you know, almost dead last in uh, in a lot of categories, which is sad to see. Last year they were first in uh, many categories, including uh, you know defensive scoring. So they're they're usually a very dominant defense. This year, you know, given the the personnel they brought in, we'd expect them to be a lot stronger. But they just, um, they're just not, you know, they're dead last in yards, they're dead last in passing yards, they're 25th in running yards, um, you know, they're, they're just not doing too well there. But they're still winning games, you know, they're still 6-2. and two. Um, So, you know, I think a big part of this defense is just establishing the chemistry and finding that leadership as well. I think they're, they're looking to see who's going to step up and really take over this defense. It just hasn't happened yet. Nevertheless, as a DC, um, he's excellent. He should be one of the top head coach candidates in this upcoming offseason. Uh, he was last year, but he chose to stay with the Patriots. This year, he might very well be the next big head coach, uh, you know, somewhere in the league, which for whoever team might need one. But he's, you know, in his 11 seasons as DC, he's put up 10 
really strong defensive corner seasons. He's somebody that you really have to prepare for. He runs a 43 defense, but it's a lot more exotic than, say, the Bills run or, uh, you know, uh, the Giants run or something like that. He uses a lot more zone coverages, uh, a lot more sort of hybrid systems. You know, Dante Hightower is a player who can play inside linebacker, outside linebacker, or down to the line as an outside linebacker, so they use him a lot. A lot of, you know, three-point stance, defensive lineman, a two-point stance rushers. A lot of communication needs to happen in this defense, and I think that's what ha- what's been happening poorly this this year. I know uh, Stephon Gilmore coming over from the Bills on a big contract has had some communication issues early on in the year. Whether or not they've been solved, you know, we don't know. They do have a 6-2 and two record, so clearly they figured something out. But uh, nevertheless, it's it's a bit of a more complex system. It takes players more time to get into, you know, but they've had a lot of success because they've had that continuity with their leadership in Devin McCourty, with uh, Malcolm Butler, with guys like Dante Hightower, as I, I've just mentioned. So there's continuity, but there's a lot of new players they brought in, and it's just, you know, it has been working really well this year. Uh, but I think Patricia's got the potential to bring it around. Um, and, you know, he's facing a Broncos offense who have been struggling too. So, you know, for, for both sides of the ball here, this could be Matt Patricia's breakout game on the defense or it could be the Broncos breakout game on the offense too given you know how this game's going to play out who gets momentum and, and how everything works out I completely agree with with pretty much all that I mean he's he's got it kind of figured out and like you said they're six and two now and they obviously have figured something out enough to keep them winning games so um, something that's kind of a, a cool little tidbit about Matt Patricia too is that he actually has a bachelor's degree in aeronautical engineering and a master's oh, in no education kidding. Yeah, so he actually is an aeronautical engineer. So that's that's kind of cool. I mean, obviously he's not using it right now, but uh, hopefully he can pull something from there into his football knowledge. Well, it just goes to show how uh, educated you know he is. And I mean, education pays off everywhere in life. So he's definitely using some of that stuff. Very nice, yeah. No, the Pats have a lot of continuity to their coaches. Yeah, Matt Patricia has been with the Pats for I think 14 years. Um, he's been working yep. with a lot of different sides of the ball. He's been DC since 2012. Josh McDaniel's been OC since 2012. So that's five years of the same coordinators. Um, the Chiefs are like that as well. We talked about it, and and you know look at how successful they've been. Continuity is such an important part of um, winning games in the NFL. Um, you know they have all the experience and stuff. So it's been really good. But there's one guy I'd like to talk about on the Pats coaching staff that. I think he's gone very unnoticed for a long time. He's the offensive line coach. I pay a lot more attention to that just based on my background. But uh, his name is Dante Scarnicia. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, He's been in the league for 46 years, 32 years with the Pats. And he's been a part of 24 of the 30 playoff teams for the Patriots. Um, In 2009, it's probably his best year. His offensive line set the record for the least amount of sacks in a season since the season went to a 16-game season and uh, with 18. So basically, they had average one sack per game over the season, which is, I mean, unheard of, right? That's, That's the NFL record for a reason. But he's been, you know, the O-line coach and the assistant head coach for most of his career. And I think he's really a, a secret gem for the Patriots. Like, you know, we don't talk about him. He's not a coordinator or anything like that. But if we're talking about continuity, we're talking about talent and experience. I mean, 46 years and 32 with the same team is um, is remarkable. And he's been the assistant head coach for Bill Belichick since 2000 when he, he came into the building. So it's... I think he's a big part of the success with this team. I think he's very highly respected. I think players want to play well for him. You know, I'm, I'm that way too. Whenever I had a coach that was experienced and, and just 
they, they somehow with their charisma demand a certain amount of respect it makes a, a big difference on your team and if you have that that guy as your coach you're going to want to play better for him and I think it, it has a big impact you know and I think he's really worth mentioning as somebody who helps the Patriots with their success and and he's an outstanding coach because of it yeah it, it's it's pretty cool to see what that team and that and Robert Kraft and the Patriots have done with their coaching staff and just keeping them in-house and making you know growing them from from where they are and I think that's where a lot of their success comes from is because they all like to stay with the team when when you like where you work and you enjoy where you're working you do it for that long yeah then there's there's bound to be good things that come out of that and yeah. they definitely have had a lot of good things come out yeah. of it and when you have a culture that breeds winning and success and they, they expect nothing less you know you yep. get guys like like Eric Blunt who had a lot of off-field issues before coming to the Pats and then you never hear about him when he's with the Pats. Chad Ochocinco, exactly. same thing. He, I mean, he he did terribly with the Patriots, but nevertheless, you never heard about him when he was with the Pats. Akeem Talib, he had a bunch of off-field issues. Came with the Pats, you never heard of him. And then he's, he's left the Pats, and you know what, what, what's happened happened. He's been a great player since. But the Patriots just have... They're different. They're unique. They're they're a team that just you know they they built a dynasty in, in almost no time, and it, it's just amazing to watch. I mean, this is not a Patriots podcast. Like let's let's not talk about it for too long. But um, yeah, you know they're really an example of success in any sport, any organization, anything. They, they you know they they've done something very unique, and it's really cool to watch and and, and learn about. Absolutely. Uh, on the offensive side of for the Broncos going up against that Matt Patricia defense, who is had had their struggle this year and you mentioned it like they're not yep. they're not a top tier defense in the traditional sense but again they do what they need to do to to win games so what Mike McCoy needs to do is kind of the same thing Joe Woods is kind of switch up the play calling try to try to surprise Matt Patricia with a few things try to isolate the some of their weaker sides on that defense with all the injuries that they have and really we need to attack and we need to attack fast hard and early we need to get scores early to keep us in the game cuz Every time that we've lost, it's just been we go down early and then we just try to like completely abandon our run game and completely abandon our normal play calling and just try to go to a more uh, attacking play calling and go through the air a lot more. So just stick with our play calls. Try to throw them a little bit, a few curveballs here and there. Try a couple more screens. And I think that's what Mike McCoy is really going to do because he knows that he's going up against a very, very well-coached defense and a very – another thing that I, I – Again, this isn't a Patriots podcast, but what I like about the Patriots is their motto is do your job. Everybody does their job. And if everybody's where they need to be, then plays happen, and that's how it works out. And we haven't seen that from the Broncos lately, but I think if we can have that moniker going in, knowing that they have that as well, then we can come out victorious because we have the athletes to do it. We just need to have the play calls as well to follow through. So that's what you're going to see from Mike McCoy this week, and that's what you're going to see from both Bill Belichick and from Coach Joseph and all of the coaches on both the Patriots and the Broncos going into this weekend's game. Moving on to our next segment is we get to talk a little bit about the players to watch out for and the players that we think are going to be the key playmakers in this game in Survival of the Fittest. Survival of the Fittest. All right, Survival of the Fittest. We'll go ahead and start with you, Matt. Who on the... Patriot side, offensively and defensively, have you picked out that is going to be the key difference makers in this game? 
it's hard for me to pick really one player on the offense. I mean, other than you know Brady and Gronkowski and all those those big names, because um, you know they're going to be uh, they're going to show up. But you know, I what I'm picking is the whole running back core for the offense. You got uh, Dion Lewis, Rex Burkhead. J- uh, James White, I think his name is, and uh, Mike Gillisley. Um, all four of these guys have a different style of running. Dion Lewis is a bit more of the complete back. Burkhead's a bit more of a scat back. A guy lines up in the in the gun and just you know catch the quick screens and stuff like that. James White, a bit of a bigger uh, downhill runner, but he's you know as he showed in the Super Bowl last year, he's a great pass catcher. And Mike Gillisley, I think, is their short yardage guy. The a bit of more of the hammer replacing what Blunt had last year. But the things with the Pats, they. You know, whoever decides to go off during the game just just gets the carries and, and they get all the attention. So I'm picking this running back core because it's really about who's going to get the momentum, who's going to be the best matchup against the inside linebackers and the DBs, the nickels and all that, and who's going to be able to be a Brady's sort of, you know, check down guy, relief guy, and the one that, you know, the, the sure hands, right, the one that's going to get the five, six yards at a time that you need. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, it's hard to predict who it's going to be. It's almost different every week. Um, I'm thinking probably a James White or, uh, you know, Deion Lewis might be the guy that's going to step up. But uh, again, you never know. And uh, the other guy on offense we have to talk about, it's, you know, we can't ignore is Rob Gronkowski. He himself, as a human, as an athlete, is a factor in any game. Um, I mean, he's, I don't even think he is human. I think he's part of this crazy alien race that they sent to us to just dominate our sports. <laughs> um, you know, he doesn't make much sense physically or athletically, but he's, uh, man, he's so dominant. It's so hard to cover him. You know, you don't really have anybody to cover him on any team. So it's just, you know, you got to cross your fingers and hope that uh, he doesn't get too open. But, you know, the the Broncos have been struggling against top-tier tight ends recently with uh, Travis Kelsey had a great game uh, last week against the Eagles. Uh, Trey Burton, who is, you know, really good at snowboarding, but he's really good at football too, Jared. Called it. <laughs> and uh, Brent Selleck. You know, the, the, the tight ends have been able to perform well against the Broncos. If we even go back to Evan Ingram for the Giants, uh, you know, it's these guys have been really good. So now the Broncos are facing the best tight end in the league. They're going to have to be very much ready for him. Um, and it's, you know, Gronkowski, he's, uh, he's Gronkowski, you know, there's not much else I can say about him. Yeah. And I, that kind of leads me into who needs to step up on the defensive side for the Broncos outside of our defensive backs who, uh, have been playing a little bit softer lately. It seems, I don't know if that's the play call or if that's just because they're getting frustrated with the offense, not producing. But on top of that, we have guys like Brandon Marshall and Todd Davis who are going to be the guys covering Gronk. And they're probably we're probably going to have two man over him. We're probably going to have a linebacker up front on him, and then we're probably going to have a safety in Darian Stewart or Justin Simmons over the top as well to make sure that if he does try to go deeper up to up the seam, we have someone there to try to stop it. But uh, those are going to be our big. Brandon Marshall is going to have to have a huge game, not just in the run stop that he normally does, but in the in the pass defense as well. He needs to make sure that he gets a body on the big man Gronk and stop that. Uh, on the offensive side, we need to have Brock. Osweiler with no turnovers. I think that's that's kind of the key going into all of our games from here on out is our turnover battle is just just abysmal. And I think we're last in the league right now. Yep. If we're not last, I think we're second to last to the Browns. Yeah. But You're either way, last. yeah, it's, it's the absolute worst. Uh, yeah. And this is probably the worst turnover team I've seen since being a fan, since birth, I guess. <laughs> but the other one, too, is I, I want to mention, we always mention O-line, D-line, and this time we kind of got away from it after last week. If you want to listen to a uh, a good O-line and our love for the O-linemen out there, go ahead and listen to the Broncos vs. Eagles podcast. We gave a little bit of a, a 
ramble about them, but our O-line and D-line need to have no penalties. Our pass rushers need to stop jumping off sides, and our O-line needs to stop with the holding and the false starts because that's really what's stopping our momentum every single time we get the ball. We get down, and we have a good momentum going forward, and all of a sudden we, have, we get backed up because of a false start. We get backed up because of a holding for no reason. That's really what's going to be the difference maker in this game. I don't even think it's going to be a, a person. I think it's going to be the stats as far as the turnover battles and the penalties. If we can keep penalties under... I'd I'd like penalties under 10 at this point for the whole game, not just a half. And I would like, you know, no turnovers. If if that's too much to ask for, I don't don't know. You know, maybe I'm just asking for too much. But I think that'll be the big difference. If we have no turnovers and we keep our penalties to under 10 in the game, I think we win this game just straight up. Yeah, I agree. Um, Back to turnovers. I mean, uh, Broncos offense or Broncos as a whole, the whole team, you're minus 12 in your turnover ratio um, on average about one and a half pick per game so you know in a game it could be one pick or two right it's, it depends on there and uh, it's almost guaranteed interception in a game fumbles it's close to one fumble a game you know and, and yeah. they're they're ranked almost dead last and you're so right these are the factors that have a huge impact same with penalties penalties it seems to be getting almost worse every single week like earlier when we you know I started keeping trying the statistics in week six uh, in terms of penalties, Broncos were seventh in the league, you know, which is good, really good for penalties. Yeah. And then the week after, go up to uh, third in the league, which is great, you know, doing well. But then all of a sudden, went down, ranked number ninth, ranked number fourteenth, and now this week, ranked number six, twenty uh, sixth in the league in terms of penalties. It's been a struggle. The defense hasn't been so bad. They've been um, pretty sustained around like you know tenth in the league in terms of penalties, which is it's good. You know what I mean? It's at the top third penalties and turnovers i don't know if you know brock osweiler and no turnovers in the same sentence i don't know if you know it's almost (laughs) close to a miracle but limited turnovers for sure and limited penalties that's going to make a big difference for the broncos yeah i think so and like i said i'm calling it right now if we have no penalty no turnovers and under 10 penalties we win this game yeah so that's that's my early prediction as we go into our next segment rain man this week rain man this week so for those of you joining us for the first time, Rayman this week is where Matt and myself get to have a little bit of fun and we get to predict what we think the score is going to be. Uh, I will be honest, I don't think we've had anything close since <laughs> week one. So uh, what is your prediction for this week against the Patriots? Well, given that the Patriots have a very soft defense and in the Broncos offense, they're still trying to find their groove. You know, I think the Broncos are going to actually, you know, we talked about trap games earlier in the year and right. how the Broncos might be facing a trap game. The best best example is the game against the Giants and how that really was a trap game. I think this is a trap game for the Patriots. I think, you know, the Broncos are on a four-game losing streak. It's easier to it's easy to th- think that, you know, what well, we're going to walk into Denver and just roll them, but be careful you know what after many losses I know for myself as a player and as a coach that's what got me really motivated I hate losing I hate being that one person that just loses every week and I just want to win it fuels me so I'm sure there's you know more than one guy in this Broncos team that's like that I could see them really finding their momentum this week and and having this be a, a trap game for the Patriots but Tom Brady factor. I mean, I'm still calling the Patriots to win here, unfortunately. Sorry, Jared. But I'm going to call a bit of a tighter game. I think it's going to be around the 27-21. Let's say 27-24 for the Patriots. It's going to be a tight one. Nice. Well, I like that we think it's going to be tight because after last week, I think a lot of people are expecting us to get blown out. But I agree. I think... I think the Patriots are not taking us lightly because we talked about the whole, you know, Patriots locker room and and 
what Bill Belichick has done with that team. They don't go into any game taking anybody lightly ever. So I don't think that they're planning anything different, but I do think that coming into this game, the Broncos have a lot more steam than they're they're going to be expecting if we come out with the steam that I'm expecting us to. So obviously I'm going to stick with the Broncos here. And not just because I'm a diehard fan, but also because I do think that we we have the talent and we have the play calls to be able to do it. We just need to execute correctly and we need to not go down real early and lose momentum. So I'm going to call this for the Broncos. I'm going to call it uh, 26 to 20, 26 to 24 for the Broncos. So Ooh. very similar to your score, just the other way around. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. And then of course, you know, as we talked about uh, any crazy random calls as well. I'm, I'm calling no turnovers and under 10 penalties, we win the game. Uh, if I'm wrong here, I'll eat my words. I'll happily eat my words, but if we can get that, I'll be a little bit happy at least. All right, so that does it for Rain Man this week. As we go into our last segment of our podcast in Famous Last Words. Famous Last Words. All right, in Famous Last Words, uh, I'm going to go ahead and take this one, Matt, just because I have a little bit to get off my chest here. Oh, you know what? You deserve it, Jared. I think after uh, four bad weeks, you really, uh, you really should express your emotions. You know, really share with us what's going on. It's, it's good and it's healthy. Social media has ruined football, and not just. <laughs> I'm not just saying that because I think that you know, with everything going on, with all the politics and crap like that, that we're we're staying away from, obviously. But a lot of people are easy to put a blame on the reason their favorite team's not winning on anybody absolutely anybody i get that fans are frustrated i'm frustrated as a fan watching the game and i've never been so embarrassed than watching it get cut off to go to a quote unquote more competitive game however we need to stick with our team i think that you can't just jump from team to team because all of a sudden you're on a four game losing streak and you might not be in the playoffs we still have a chance to make the playoffs and if we can rally behind our broncos and our broncos can really rally behind themselves we have a chance let's not forget that the kansas city chiefs started 0 and 5 and then went on an 11 game win streak to make the playoffs it's not over we are only halfway through the season and if we can come out the back half of this season playing better football then we have the the upper hand going into the playoffs but I think what we really need to remember is that we can't just start pointing fingers because we're losing and calling to fire everybody or trade everybody or you see one player make a mistake. Let players be players. Let them make their mistakes and learn from them. Let's not get super mad and just ask for their head as soon as something goes wrong. They're human too. So we have to remember that when we're on social media and talking about how, oh, this player's crap, this player sucks, this player's trash and all this kind of stuff. We can't be doing that, especially talking bad about our own team is just, it does not make for a good atmosphere and it makes us look like bad fans. So let's keep our head up. Let's go into the rest of the the second half of the season with motivation and momentum. Let's just keep our head up. So those are my famous last words. Thank you guys all for listening. And uh, Matt, thanks again for joining me. As always, I always have fun talking about these games and we're, we only have eight more left until the playoffs. Make sure you guys subscribe and listen. And we have some big things coming from you too. The Orange Weekly Podcast, my, Matt and myself, the crew here, we have a lot of off-season things that we have planned for you guys. So keep it, an eye out for what's coming after the season. Keep an eye out for what's coming next season. And uh, I hope you guys are enjoying what you're listening to. Uh, any last words from, from you, Matt? No, I've got nothing to say, guys. Let's hope for a, a better game this week. All right, well, that being said, we're going to go ahead and take it out, as always, with the Mad Fanatic. Orange, man. I'm riding orange, man.